Hello, hello, hello. I hope you are doing well. I want to welcome you to episode 117 of the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron, and I am thrilled you are here with me today. So regardless if you are in a leadership position, in a large organization, in a small business, or whether you are an individual contributor, this episode you will definitely want to listen to. There is a lot of turmoil and chaos going on in organizations right now with individuals looking to leave organizations to find greater purpose and meaning and find a culture that really fits and leaders who are struggling to retain talent. So if you are part of the 99% of the employed population that this is affecting right now, then you are definitely going to want to listen to my next guest, Leilani Kire. Leilani is the CEO and founder of Be The Change HR, which is an Orange County-based conscious company and social enterprise that provides HR support to small to medium-sized businesses in any facet of HR. So that entails from pre-hire to post-term and all the other variables that happen in between from an HR perspective. So Leilani dives into her own career journey into HR, and she also dives into an interesting topic. If you are a leader who is mistrusting or skeptical of what your staff is doing outside of the office because they're working from home, you're going to want to listen into this episode and see what Leilani says about your mindset. And also, if you are a company that has strong core values, but you're not quite sure how to implement those values in your organization, you got to listen to the very end of the episode where Leilani goes into how she operationalizes her core values into her organization. She does a fabulous job. So be sure to listen into the end of the episode so you can hear everything that she shares. And before we dive into the episode, I wanted to share one quick thing with you. If you are a leader in a large organization or you're a business owner and you are looking to differentiate yourself from other companies so you can retain your existing talent, one of the best ways that we have found to do that is to offer professional development for your staff. So if this is something you're interested in, we offer two different programs, so actually three. We offer the Leadership Lab, which can be customized, but the way it's built right now, it's a six-month leadership program. It's a group coaching program, and we offer that. We also offer the Women Leading Powerfully Leadership Lab, which a lot of ERGs are coming to us to implement this within the organization, or you can offer one-on-one coaching. A lot of companies make the mistake of only providing leadership coaching to their VP and executive levels. And one of the differentiators we've seen that has really helped retain staff is to offer leadership coaching to various levels of the organization. So not only just those upper levels, but also, you know, maybe your high potential leaders, maybe your leaders who maybe have been leaders for one to three years but never really learned those leadership skills. So if any of this is of interest to you, please reach out to me. 
I'm happy to talk through our options and the services that we provide. We also do workshops. So if you're looking for a one-off workshop, we can do that. But we also have designed a series of workshops for different organizations that are curated and they're themed. And those can be 90-minute workshops. And those are also a great way to really engage your teams. So again, reach out to me. I'm happy to have a conversation. But for now, let's listen to Leilani talk also about how to retain and engage your staff. And like I said, she provides some great examples of that. So let's dive into the episode, into my conversation with Leilani Kire. Welcome to the Lead Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barron. I'm obsessed with helping people feel more connected to themselves, the people they love, their work, and their purpose. I'm a leadership coach, speaker, self-improvement junkie, wife, mom of two teenagers, and 30-year corporate career woman turned entrepreneur. This podcast will give you the tools, insights, and real honest conversations that will help you lead your life so you can love your life. Let's dive in. All right, Leilani, I am so excited for this conversation. Thank you for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I would love if you would just start by sharing a little bit about yourself and your career history. Oh, thank you. About me, I'm I'm kind of laughing just because I have my world has kind of been about training for a half Ironman. So I'm like, don't talk about the half Ironman. And now I'm talking about it. Um, (laughs) Me me as a person, I'm a huge adventurer. Uh, Anything outdoors, I absolutely love. I am a mountaineer, rock climber, ice climber. Um, I love to do extreme things if it isn't obvious. And I think that kind of parlays into being a business owner and being an entrepreneur. You got to be a little a little batshit crazy to do this type of thing. And, and I do that through my company, Be The Change HR. And I do that through a company, Be The Change HR, that is a social impact business, which is something I'm, I'm very proud of. So rewind, I've been doing human resources my entire life and some of my teenage years. I was super lucky well, depending on if you like HR and payroll, <laughs> I was really lucky when I was 16 to have uh, the next door neighbor ask my mom if I wanted to work at their construction company processing payroll. And I didn't want to work at Carl's Jr. And so I said yes. Uh, and I started processing payroll. At the time, minimum wage was $3.25 an hour. So I was vastly yeah. underpaid. And um, by the time I got to college, I was processing payroll multi state and And then after college, just climb the corporate ladder. I have done basically nothing but human resources. And I'm, and I feel very fortunate that I like it so much. I think there's a reason why I like HR. And I also like any real housewives is because like you get so much from it and some of it is dramatic. (laughs) And so my personal life tends to be not as dramatic as the things that we encounter in HR. We all, any HR practitioners listening right now is nodding their head. Yes, we deal with a lot of crazy situations. 
And, and that's why I love human resources uh, to bring it back to be the change HR. Um, five years ago, I decided to take my HR skills and start my own company with the idea that I was going to do human resources and philanthropy under one roof. And so that was where be the change HR was born. Fast forward to today, we are five years later, a team of 10 HR professionals, and we do human resources consulting for small mid-market businesses, things that uh, aren't so sexy like employee handbooks and things that are very important like harassment prevention training, just regular HR advice, both compliance and, and strategy. And on the other side of this social impact business, myself and everyone on this squad, we call ourselves a squad. We provide job readiness coaching and one-on-one job readiness coaching and one-on-one job readiness classes to individuals who've been rescued from sex trafficking and BIPOC homeless men. Um, we offer this program to nonprofits for free and internally everyone is paid for their time. In fact, 2% of our top line revenue goes to our job readiness program. Leilani, I love that. Thank you for sharing. And I love that you grew up in the industry. Obviously, you have a lot of experience. And I love that you shared about what you're doing for the community in terms of job readiness. And it goes back to the name of your company. And would love for you just to talk about how you named Be The Change HR. Yeah. So you, not that I would show you right now. It's so funny. I have to explain. It's tattooed on my back. And I don't have be the change HR tattooed <laughs> on my back. I mean, that's dedication. Right? Maybe that maybe I dedication. should make a pact to myself. Like when we hit 10 years, maybe I should make it higher. When we hit 20 years, I'll, 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 I'll put that on me. So I think there's a lot of fun in naming your company. And, you know, I, had, I knew the, the, the foundation, HR, philanthropy. I did not know exactly how I was going to do that. Before I started the business, I was I had taken a sabbatical from the, the work I was doing, just from life in general. I needed a break. And in that time period, my grandfather, who was very close to, passed away. And so I remember this very, very clearly. You know, I was thinking about starting a company. Of course, the first thing that I go to is I love design. I love, I'm like, oh, I, I should make a logo and I should come up with a name, pick some colors, right? That's where I started. And on the plane flight home from grieving my grandfather with my family, right before the plane touched down, it like popped in my head, be the change HR. Because I have the quote, be the change you wish to see in the world tattooed on my back. And then that's how it came about. I thought, what a great way to capture human resources in general, my own personal philosophy behind how we should treat people in the workplace, how I am as a leader, and this philanthropic piece that at the time was still to be developed. Again, I didn't know how I was going to do that. I just knew I wanted it to be this big component of an, an HR consulting firm that did good for the world through their HR work and through helping the community. And I write about this in my very first blog, that when I read it, when I go back to it every year on our anniversary, I get a little bit teary-eyed because it, it was a dream. Like, oh, this is my dream to have HR consultants who do H, great HR work and better the world through their work and then make the community a better place. And so that's how it came about. And now it's just, you know, when you choose a company name, it makes it so easy to tell the story. And let me tell you, this is the first place I've worked at. I mean, I'm lucky that I own it, but I, the first place that I've worked <laughs> at that I do not have to spell the email. I got to spell my name. 
because that's hard. But then when I say at be the change HR.org, I don't have to spell it. And that's also something I didn't realize was a was an added bonus to picking the name that it, you know, people get it. Like it's easy yep. <laughs> to write. No, it's great. And I and I'm glad you shared the story because I think it's important and I think it encompasses you. I think it encompasses your company, what you stand for, and you are all about service and really making a difference. And you're yeah. doing that. So mm-hmm. I love that. We're talking today really around the current struggles that companies are having. So anywhere from small companies to very large organizations are dealing with the effect of the great assessment and a reassessment. Mm-hmm. You know, people are reassessing their jobs. People are reassessing their lives because of COVID. People are taking what I call a powerful pause. I've talked about it on the podcast before. And they are really reassessing what's important to them. I think people are getting really realigned with their core values and saying, it was a little hard at first, but I love the flexibility of work from home. I don't want to go back to the office. Mm-hmm. Many companies are struggling right now. I mean, Elon Musk just came out with his you know, statement. If you're not coming to the office, you're out of a job. And yeah. you know, so he's taking a hard line. And other companies are somewhere in the middle struggling with, how do I keep my teams engaged? How do I keep people engaged? What do I do about work from home when some people are expected to be in the office, some people aren't? And so there's a lot happening right now from an organizational perspective. Mm-hmm. And the effects of that are, you know, talent is bleeding out. I mean, companies are desperate for talent. The people that are left are having to absorb more and more work. They're having to cover open roles. And so the topic today is really around, from your perspective, how do companies manage through this really tough time right now in not only retaining employees, but you know, being an employer yeah. of choice? Ugh, it is so, I mean... <laughs> help us. Answer. Oh help gosh. us with your wisdom, Leilani. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So a couple months ago, I had someone ask if I could do a webinar about getting people to come back to work in the office, come back to work in the office. And I said, no, I'm not going to take that stance entirely. Um, Would I be willing to guide people on hybrid or just work from home or, and, you know, possibly bring people back to the office? Yes. A lot of us don't have the money of Elon Musk, right? So (laughs) darn it. Um, and, and we don't have the ability to say that in an organization like that or the power over Twitter and and all of that. We don't have that. Most of us don't have that. And I don't think, I like, I like to think that the world is filled with wonderful people and wonderful leaders who want to do right by their, their individuals. And I think as leaders and as business owners, we need to give ourselves grace that we also are human beings who have our own opinions. And we think, you know, as leaders, number one, as leaders, we, we have to lead. And I also think sometimes we think we know the answer. The first thing I would, you know, employ everyone to do that's leading an organization that makes these decisions is to think a little bit outside of what you think the best solution is and really open up your mind. A lot of times we've heard from our clients I've heard from other leaders, we just do better when we're back in person. We just collaborate a lot better, you know, when we're in an office together. And I challenge that 
I challenge that thought pattern. Is that actually true? Are there other ways to engage your team in a virtual environment? And another thing to really think about is, as leaders and business owners, are we just assuming that we know what everybody wants and thinks? Because we don't, how do you know that? Like if you don't, you know, if you're, you weren't fully virtual to begin with, if you were in the office together, won't even mention the name of what's happened in the last couple of years, you know, now you're at this crossroads. Do we do hybrid? Do we ask everybody to come back, everyone to come back? Do we keep everyone working from home and then people make decisions without asking. So one of the things I'm always a huge champion of is creating a safe environment to ask people what they want to do and what would they like to do. I think the safest way to do this is in an anonymous survey. I keep saying the word safe. And the reason that I keep saying the word safe is that people need to feel safe to tell the truth, to feel like they won't be persecuted, judged, fired, used against them. Like that, that's why I keep using that word. But they need to feel safe enough to even believe that the survey is anonymous. It's really important, but that's the number one step. And if you can, and if you have an environment for this, the other part I would suggest is talking to your individuals and gathering that data to see where is everyone at? Maybe everybody wants to come back to the office. Like, you know, I'm the whole family is at home. I've got, you know, a couple dogs. Like, I need out of this place. Or, you know, that's how their brain works. They just work better in an office environment and that's where they thrive. And so I think it's important to, to ask individuals where they're at and then sort of analyze that data, take a look at that and think, okay, now that I know what my workforce wants, how can I meet that need? all the way, part of the way, some of the way. In these processes, when we survey and we ask our employees their thoughts and opinions, also the next step is to communicate what that is. Can't just survey people and be quiet and then make a decision. I'm a huge fan of transparency. So, you know, share the data, discuss um, what the options are, involve everyone and then, you know, take the step of if there's a compromise to be made, then say that if the majority wants to work from home, then what does it look like to have a hybrid schedule? And when are the best days to bring people back? And why, why are we bringing them back? Are we bringing them back to have team building time together, to have specific meetings together, map all of that out and communicate it. And I think when you, when you ask people their opinion, when you consider what they want to need. And then when you communicate what the plan is and then execute on that with all this in mind, it will create people who will champion it more. There's an asterisk next to all of this. I love the saying, you can't make everyone happy. You're not a taco. I love tacos. Um, (laughs) Right. And so it's true. It is true. So you can't make everybody happy, but if you know what the majority wants, then you're better suited to have people on board with that and really to be a leader who considers this for people. I completely agree with you, Leilani, around being intentional. So gathering the data and communicating the why behind it. I think the why is so important and such an important piece of that communication. I was just speaking to someone on a team who was so frustrated. She was a new mom. She had a baby during... COVID. She was loving the flexibility of work from home. 
She was told to go back into the office three days a week. And she said, I am so frustrated because I'm sitting here in the office on Zoom calls. Yeah. It makes no sense. It literally makes no sense about why I'm here. We're not having staff meetings. We're not here for any particular purpose other than our leader can visually see us. And she said, it just makes no sense. I'm sitting in the office on on Zoom calls. So I think that's a great example of someone becoming very disengaged because there isn't a strong why behind bringing people back to the office. Right. And and what I'm hearing in that situation is not that this decision was made because it was best for the organization or the employees. It was made because the leader didn't trust people, right? If you want to be able to, I mean, I thought it was ridiculous, you know, during this time period that we just went through and everybody working from home, people being asked to keep their cameras on. That's weird. It's not that piece of what the problem is. The problem is, is that you don't trust your workforce for whatever reason. And then anytime that comes up, I just point back to leadership might make some people mad right now, but that's too bad. Are you not trustworthy as a leader? What are you hiding? You know, what are you not telling your staff? Because, you you know, sometimes these things are mirrors of, you know, yeah. It's a lot of projection. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. It is. It is. And so, so what do you suggest, you know, work from home, I think is one component of why people Mm -hmm. are frustrated. Add on to that. I mean, there's a whole pile of things right now, right? Yeah. You add on to that inflation. It's double the cost for people to commute. Mm -hmm. It's double rent. You know, I mean, people are struggling. I mean, you look at house prices, interest rates just went up yesterday, I think. And so you look at the economic pressures that people are having around a commute back to work or lack of flexibility. Companies are dealing with economic pressures as well. You look at supply chain. And we look at so many different things. So I feel, honestly, for organizations, they're trying to balance mm-hmm. increase in their raw goods and also an increasing pressure for increased wages, which are warranted. Right. But how do you think companies should handle this in terms of you know people consistently coming, saying, I need more money, I need more money, I need more money. And if I don't get more money, I'm leaving. What are you seeing in the organizations you're working with and, and how employers yeah. are doing this successfully? It is really, really tough out there. The situation that we're in right now, it's sort of like the straw that broke the camel's back because I will go back to this issue. Let me just do pretend workforce is now saying I need more money. This issue probably existed before, but because there are so many changes going on and people feeling the pressure financially. It's pushing people to the point of thinking, I don't have any other choices. If you don't you know, increase my pay, I'm going to have to go find work somewhere else. This is a, a nod for every employer and leader to go back to the basics and really evaluate what people need. Like, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like, what do people need? They need to be able to put a roof over the head. They need to be healthy. They need to be safe. And so when you start hearing this in your organization, regardless of what's going on in the country, what's going on with inflation, I think this should be something 
a company should always do at one point and then continue to do, if not annually, every other year. And that is review compensation. Now, there are so many laws out there that exist in order to make sure that people are paid fairly from the simple minimum wage of you got to pay, you have to pay somebody this much, right? You can't pay them below that. To there's, you know, salary requirements for paying someone a salary, which is a flat fee for a certain amount of time versus hourly. So there's these, these rules put into place to protect people. And then there's what's fair, right? There's the Equal Pay Act as well in a lot of, you know, places you can no longer ask how much someone made in a previous job. That's not to annoy you, right? As a recruiter, it is to control people undercutting individuals' pay because they say, oh, I made $70,000 in the job. We know the budget's 100 and we say, oh, we'll give them 80. Right. These things exist in order to protect people. So I think one thing a company can do, and there are some resources out there that are not expensive. You could do it with a professional, you could do it yourself. And that is, am I paying fairly for the job and figuring what is the base salary? What is the fit, like the median? What is the middle of the road for that position and this size company in this industry, in this place in the world? Is that fair? And then you start looking at, okay, if I pay less than 50% of what most people do, what about the benefits? Am I covering that amount that I'm not paying in benefits? You know, what kind of benefits am I offering? What's the benchmark for what other people offer? What's important to my company's core values in what I offer? There's the basics like, you know, your base pay, your vacation, your sick pay, your health benefits, medical, dental, vision. But if there's a benefit that actually makes sense for your organization, let's say you are a pet services company, maybe pet insurance makes sense. And then you have something that's value aligned, that's brand aligned, but really looking at the pay, the benefits and, and starting that as a baseline, then you know, okay, this person's being overpaid. This person isn't being paid fairly. And then having a plan. I'm a huge fan of transparency. So for my organization, I would communicate that openly. Here's where you are. Here's a plan to get you where you need to be. Does that happen overnight? No, because companies can't afford that. So that's another layer to the communication of, you know, we've got budgets, but we're going to, here's the plan to bring you, you know, to a fair space. If you can do it overnight, that's fantastic, but it does cost money to run a business as we all know. So some type of plan to do that. And so when you get that foundation, and then you um, are hit with things like inflation's going through the roof. Cost of living has increased by this much because they'll give a COLA increase amount every single year for Social Security. I mean, we can base increases off of that too. Um, I'm not even talking about merit yet. Then you you know, okay, here, here's where we're at. Here's where we need to go. And what can the organization do to cover that difference, that delta? And so... Back to like, again, the basics, you really need to make sure that you're paying fairly, that your benefits make sense, that it supports people's, you know, uh, security, safety, health, and they're taken care of in, in that way. And then build on that. Yeah, I, I think that's such sage advice. And on the flip side, from an employee perspective, I'm curious to hear 
I had Amanda Scott. We talked about this a little bit on the podcast around, you know, yes, there are benchmarks. It seems like all those benchmarks are kind of being blown out of the water right now. People Mm -hmm. are getting crazy sign-on bonuses for going to different different companies and or different organizations and i think people have an expectation now that they can easily jump and get a a big bump in salary and so mm-hmm. what do you say on the employee side from an hr perspective on yeah what you're seeing people come into organizations with in terms of their expectations I mean, on the other side of that, like, get your money, right? Like, you know, (laughs) very rarely are we ever tied to an employer. If you can make more money, you should. You need to be reasonable, of course. Uh, And that's something I think, you know, you just kind of need to take a look, you know, inward at what the position is, um, you know, education experience and what your own expectation is of the type of pay. But you're right. I always have thought that companies should be people first, that employees should always be taken care of first. And so right now, I think we're seeing the swing of all of a sudden, after everything that's happened, people are reevaluating their lives and their jobs and that shitty manager that they had and like not wanting to be in that position anymore of not being paid enough and knowing that Mm -hmm. Joe over here makes 20K more than me, but we have the same role. Like, I mean, everybody's been through this. So the swing the other way is, you know, people are putting themselves first and maybe it makes sense and it's warranted and maybe sometimes it doesn't, but that's for the individual to do their own, you know, look at themselves and their position and what they're asking for and see if that's reasonable, you know, and there are also resources online for someone to check, you know, salary and what is good for them and and what isn't. And I'd like to make a little note about being the employer of choice. And I I talked a lot about pay and benefits, but there's another piece to this and that's for the employee and the employer as well. And that is, would someone want to work at your organization? And there are review boards out there for that type of thing. Indeed has a rating system for companies. Glassdoor has a rating system for companies. Um, Then there's the, you know, Yelp and Google and all of that. And on top of paying people fairly or as an employee getting paid fairly for the the role, it is also who are you working for and what is it like in there? And so, right. Yeah, um, culture culture mm -hmm. becomes such a big piece of people's decision nowadays. Mm -hmm. I think people were willing to tolerate a lot more prior to the pandemic and we're just not seeing that anymore. And so I think they're... There is ownership on organizations. Organizations are people. Organizations are leaders. And there's mm-hmm. pressure on leaders to, to really reevaluate their leadership. Yeah. Maybe what worked back then doesn't work anymore. You know, leadership that's all around control, authority and control and hierarchy doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And I think leaders are coming to task with, I better reevaluate my leadership. Otherwise I'm going to continue to lose top talent. Exactly. And, and, and it can end up online. 
And so, it, you know, if, you, if you're an employer and you see some reviews and you're like, oh, you don't get mad at the person or maybe get mad at them a little bit. And then you reevaluate <laughs> like, you know, hey, what, what, what can we do better in order to make this environment one where people are thriving? Because, yeah, you can pay people properly. Listen, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to work in a crappy workplace. There's no way I would do that to myself. My mental health is so important to me. And, and it is for everyone out there. Yep. The other piece of that is, you know, having a happy, healthy workforce. I always make the joke slash comment. Nobody should cry about work more than twice a year. If you're crying, then you really need to evaluate where you're at and go find somewhere where people will value you. I completely agree. Going back, yeah. I just want to touch base back on something you said around looking at salary benchmarks. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of professional, mostly women, but I do have a lot of good men that listen to my podcast. But you know, what resources can you suggest at the higher levels? I think when you get into director, VP, C-suite level, it's harder to find benchmarks for those type of salaries. And I'm curious to know if you have any thoughts around that. So one of the major tools that compensation specialists and HR folks use is the same tool actually of salary.com. They just market it different on the consumer side. And so that could be one resource. My suggestion would be when you're at that executive level, really get a compensation and executive comp pack package specialist. Because when you're there, you can have someone who can definitely guide you not only in what the base salary piece is, but that golden parachute piece as well, you know, and advise you because you'll be signing a little bit more contracts than a normal employee would it have that professional and attorney advise you on what you should be getting for those different things that just in case something happens to your position, you're protected. The other side, the employer is going to have golden handcuffs. What are they going to offer you to keep you? Because finding executive level leadership that is good is very hard to find. So get yourself a a professional. Yeah, I completely agree. Any other thoughts that you have about how employers can become the employer of choice and where people want to work. I know we talked about salary. We talked about benefits. We talked about culture. Mm-hmm. Any other thoughts or do you feel that yes. kind of covers it? No, there's, there's one more. And I <laughs> giggle every time I say this, uh, get a therapist and a coach. I think as, as, as leaders, the best thing that we can do for the people that we lead and those that we affect in a very, very, a very important way because we shape people's work life is to be a healthy, happy human yourself. And so, you know, it's a joke and it's not where I say you get a therapist and a coach, a therapist to clean up all your trauma and make sure you don't lash out at other people and a coach to really guide you. Cause you know, we don't, we, we all don't know, we don't know it all. And we all need a little bit of help here and there as we grow our businesses and we grow as leaders. And so that's my last piece of advice. Um, heal yourself and grow yourself as well. Well, I think that's fantastic advice. Obviously, I agree with you <laughs> because that's what I that's exactly what I do for a living. And you're you're exactly right. I think 
I think we are living in fast-changing times. We're living in a VUCA world. And the reality is that we're never going to feel like we know enough or we're doing enough. And we're always having to up-level our skills as a leader and to keep up with the pace of change. And I completely agree and support therapy as well. Did plenty of years of therapy myself. I'm a huge advocate. My husband is a therapist. And just know that that is so, so vitally important to to help with mental health. And we we see mental health being such an important thing, both within organizations and without, just in general. Mm -hmm. Mental health is, you know... I think we're in, we're in a very vulnerable space right now as a country of where we're at with mental yes. health. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Leilani, any last words of wisdom you have for my listeners that you, maybe an insight that you would like them to put into action or something that you would love for them to take away from our conversation? Hmm. I think that you just touched upon it. It's something that we do at Be The Change HR as part of our core values. And that is really supporting mental health um, for your employees, for yourself. Just yesterday, uh, we do this uh, every handful of months. We have a a licensed therapist on part of our benefits because it gets crazy out there, both in your personal life and, and what's happening in the world. And professionally, a lot of us have to deal with some crazy folks. We did uh, a class on anxiety and self-care and um, a, a mindfulness meditation that was suitable for anyone where they're at. And so the, the last piece I will say is really, you know, explore what that might look like for yourself, what that might look like for your, you know, your colleagues, for the employees that work for you to see if there's a way that we can all help quell this very crazy, very anxious at times world, because we're all going through it. And um, what better way to support your workforce than to put some of those, you know, mindfulness tools in place. Yeah. Leilani, that's so powerful. And I know that you have done a fantastic job of building this nurturing, amazing culture within, within your organization. So I would love if you have any other best practices or any other things that you do within your organization, you know, I think the therapist, you know, having a therapist come in, do a workshop, mm-hmm. the mindfulness piece is really important. Yeah. I'm curious to hear if there are any other good things, because I'm sure there's employers that are listening and leaders that are listening that are hungry for ideas. Yes. Um, we use Slack. So we're fully virtual. And um, how we stay cohesive is the many virtual tools that we use. And one of them is Slack. And we've opened up some Slack channels specifically for our core values and to support um, mental health and laughter. And so one of our <laughs> one of our core <laughs> values is fun. So the fun channel is uh, funny memes and funny pictures and things that are just, you know, um, that would make us laugh. Uh, There's a a channel, I Need Some Calm, where we've shared meditations that when I say suitable for everyone, I mean, not not based on a religion, you know, something that anybody could listen to and, and would be helpful for them. And so in there has been some 
some classes and some, you know, meditations to share. Insight Timer is great. It's free. They have a great free level platform. You don't have to, you know, pay for anything. And I really like that resource. And then, you know, this we're having such a serious conversation, but have some fun. The last get together we had, we did drag queen bingo and gave away some prizes. And what, what more fun <laughs> than to have a fabulous drag queen come on and, and play bingo with all, us all and, and a way to keep us, you know, cohesive together in this virtual environment. So another fun thing I utilize, um, I feel like it's just like a great uh, secret that everyone needs to know about. And that's Airbnb experiences. They have virtual experiences. You could thumb through that and they have them specifically, you can buy them for a private group. They're very cost-effective. I've had, have, I've had some as low as 50 bucks for the entire group. And we've done uh, meditations through that. There have been um, healing concerts with cellos. Uh, We had an Olympian come on and talk to us and it's really easy to book. And like I said, and, and yeah, that's amazing. I actually didn't know. I didn't know about that. I think that is a great, yes. great tool and resource. I'm so glad you, yeah, I'm check so it out. Glad and you mentioned that. It's fantastic for in-person stuff too. And so when you go on vacation, you can also use it, but you can also join these online experiences as just a, just yourself. And so I've done that in order to break up my work day and continually learn. Someone did a whole presentation on giant pandas in China. And so like, you know, there's fun <laughs> stuff like that is on there too. That's great. Oh, I love that. I love that. Leilani, I love how you just spoke about your core value of fun and then how you operationalize that. So how you're bringing that to life in your Mm -hmm. organization. I think it's so important. So I would love if you could share, you know, what are your core values? And then maybe just a couple of examples of, of how you bring those to life. Because so often what we see And I think what most of us are familiar with is some core values that companies determine and then they hang on a wall and that's about all they're used for. So yeah, if you're comfortable, we'd love for you to share a couple of those. Yeah. I'm not knocking these words, but sometimes you, you see these core values and you're like, are you sure it's like integrity, right? (laughs) Right? (laughs) That kind of a thing. And it might make sense really quickly. I came up with our core values before I hired our first HR professional. And the reason I did that with help of some books, the reason I did that was, you know, people say, you got to hire someone just like yourself. And I'm like, no, that's not, how is that possible? Nor do I want another me in this org. Come on. That's, that's plenty, but me, one of me is enough. And I thought, why do people like working with me? Like what values do I have? And what am I not good at that needing to make sure that's my, that could blindside the organization could be a weak point to work on in our recruiting process. The first two rounds um, have nothing to do with skill, education, years of experience. We do enter that in into the ATS as knockout questions, right? Do you have this many years experience? Do you have this type of education? Do you have this certification? But the first two rounds after the knockout, cause I don't see those have to do with our four core values, and it's calming, caring, reliable, and fun. The questions that we ask are attuned to that, 
And the reason for that is if you say human resources to someone, I'm going to bet you half the room's blood pressure will just go up, right? Like nobody really likes HR or they've had a bad experience. There are amazing, wonderful HR folks out there. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, generally HR gets a bad rap. And one thing clients would say to me, and we strive to do to this day is, oh, it feels so much better that you're here. Thank goodness you're here, right? That calming aspect. We bring it into the organization. I shared with the mindfulness practices that we're doing, constantly supporting everyone here's mental health, taking days off when people need it, asking for help when they need it, caring because we care, reliable. We're virtual and people can make their own hours. So this reliable piece is really behind the SLAs of when we get work done, when it is due and following through on that, you know, under-promising, over-delivering, showing up when you're supposed to so that we can support this virtual environment where a lot of members on my staff have kids at home, have aging parents, are semi-retired, have other work that they do. And so this, this reliable piece supports the SLA, supports that type of work. So that way there's no like in this org, where are you? What are you doing? Did you get your work? It's just expected because it's part of the core values. And then finally fun. HR is boring. Right. Right. It's also extremely exciting and interesting at times. There's been so many times in my career I've had to say, don't make a face, like, don't make a face, don't make a face. You know, when someone's like, something's going down and you want to like make like, oh my goodness, I like, what is going on? <laughs> um, and so fun just interjects humor. I think it's just important in everyday life. Right. right. And so not only when, I'll say when you check out our socials, you know, you'll see there's that humor aspect. It's also in some of the training that we do and it's in the activities that we do together. You know, what better way to bond than to laugh together, especially in these times. Absolutely. I completely agree, Leilani. I know you well enough to know that you bring all of these, not only internally to your organization, but you bring all of these core values to your clients. So we'd love to... Your how can you share? How can people get in touch with you? I know you have a great newsletter that also has content, really valuable content, but also videos where you are hilarious. Yes. I love your videos mm -hmm. and they're so entertaining. <laughs> so how, how can people get in touch with you and sign up for your newsletter? Yeah, you can head to our website. It's bethechangehr.org. Um, and at the very bottom of the homepage, you can sign up there. Great HR information legal changes that are coming up and then me being funny on videos or trying to be funny. It's a, <laughs> no, you're you. funny. You are. <laughs> yeah. Not and trying. Then on every single social media platform at be the change HR. We're almost on TikTok. We're almost there. So TikTok and soon coming soon. Um, just go ahead and head over there and check it out by the, you know, I think by the time this comes out, it will be there as well. And then if you want to reach out to me personally, I, I invite you to do that. It's uh, my email is my first name, Leilani, L-E-I-L-A-N-I at be the change Perfect. And I'll have all of your contact information in the show notes. Awesome. So people, if they're driving or on the treadmill, listening to this, they don't have to take notes. Uh, they can look later. But Leilani, thank you for a great conversation. Thanks for all your wisdom. I appreciate you being here and sharing so much with my listeners. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Bye for now. 
Thank you so much for being here today and listening to the Lead Your Life podcast. My invitation to you is that you do one thing today to move toward a more meaningful, fulfilling life for yourself. Today, you have the opportunity to challenge your mindset or have a meaningful conversation or take one action step towards your goals. So what are you waiting for? It would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. I look forward to connecting with you next week. Until then, don't wait till tomorrow. Be your best self now.